<laughs> I told someone like I was like my cell service has been unbelievable. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Hardcore Football. I'm your host, Phil Baki. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mika Burrell. Mika, uh, how's it going? It's going well, Phil. How are you? I'm good. It's been uh, busy outside of of the podcast. Busy at work. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. I feel that. We took a little, like, two-week break. Yeah. And now we're coming back as... The international break starts. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which like I'm like I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is the first time that I've ever been like stoked for yeah. an international <laughs> break, and I think a lot of people feel that way. To be fair, yeah, yeah. Shout out to uh, to Alan who who's uh, another Liverpool fan from from uh, El Paso. He. I think he tweeted something to the same effect where he's like, "I've never looked forward to an international break," um, <laughs> right, and. Yeah, normally it's devastating, and in this moment, it feels like a relief. Um, I think yes. you tweeted from Hardcore Football today, your FOP mob, which had no matches on it. Yes, <laughs> and I follow <laughs> quite a bit of leagues, so for there to be nothing was just like low-key beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a sense of relief, so I guess like this episode is a good, is a good segue into the international break. We kind of can put a bow on some things like in the yeah. big European leagues, couple cup competitions as well. Um, and in this, in this particular moment, we can kind of look forward to an international break, not having to, uh, keep up with every single thing that's going on as you know, I know many people don't follow international football quite as closely. Right. Um, but yeah, if you're, uh, if you're finding us for the first time, uh, welcome and you can find our podcast on, on any of the major platforms and you can find our socials at HXC football, um, give them a follow, give us a subscription, uh, whatever, a follow, depending on the platform, just, uh, you know, uh, stick around and, and see if you enjoy what you hear. Um, Mika, I mean, no matches today. But we woke up to big news Mm. and big reports out of Germany. Your club uh, that you support in Germany, Borussia Mönchengladbach, reportedly have offered the uh, managerial job to one Xabi Alonso um, of Real Sociedad Bay, but also of, you know, obviously Liverpool, Bayern, Bayern München, um, and Real Madrid fame, um, a massive, massive player in his time, less known as a manager, but now linked with a big, big job in Germany. Yeah, it's completely out of left field for me. I think a lot of the chatter amongst Fallen Elf was, you know, Selwani from Young Boys or maybe a Ten Hag from Ajax, something like sure. that. Chubby Alonso, never in a million years would I have, uh, you know, picked him to, to possibly lead the club next. But I 
fully fucks with it. Like, <laughs> I think that, well, first of all, number one, I trust Max Airbarrel pretty much implicitly because I think he's, uh, you know, one of the best club custodians there is in, in European football. And so I think he's always making decisions with the be- the club's best interests in mind, um, not not necessarily, you know, just because of commercial reasons or what have you. So Xavi Alonso, I mean, you know, like you said, massive player for his time at the some of the biggest clubs in Europe. And um, I think, you know, thinking about his time in Bayern, I remember when that signing went through and it was panned, like initially by the by the German press saying like, oh, Pep is just making this team super Spanish, like he's finished, blah, blah, blah. And of course, like, you know, he wasn't shabby of, of you know, Liverpool and Real Madrid, but he's still a very, very good player and, and yeah. won things with Pep's uh, Bayern. And I think Pep really respects Xabi Alonso for his vision, his intelligence. And I guess you could say he's part of that kind of Pep Guardiola school of coaching now, or, you know, Mikel Arteta being another one of those that's kind of come from playing under him or working with him. And so from what I can tell, and I, I had looked him up previously because I always wanted him to join Mikel Arteta at Arsenal um, as part of his coaching staff. <laughs> sure. and there was some chat about that. But like you said, he's be, has been at uh, Real Sociedad B in the uh, Segunda División B, which is the third division in Spain. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, by all accounts, he plays very attacking football, likes to use attacking wingbacks, lets the – the uh, central midfielder drop deep and, and join the, the back line so that the rest of them can attack. So, I mean, all of these things, I think, translate very well to, to the way that Mochigabak play under, under Marco Rosa, or at least the way we used to play. <laughs> Jesus, we right. haven't won <laughs> until very, very recently. So, um, obviously, you know, he's familiar with Germany, speaks German, and I think it's just a really interesting pick if it goes through. And I, I would... Really, I would back it. I mean, again, I I trust the club to to make the right decision, and and uh, it would be a really cool place for him to cut his teeth and hopefully not bounce after one, you know, one or two seasons. But uh, sure, we'll see. I I also love this signing for a number of reasons, and I'll try to keep this coherent uh, and mm. not get distracted by Shabby's, uh good looks. Um, as he is the only, the only man in Europe, maybe who could upgrade on Marco Rosa, um, in the looks department. (laughs) But, um, I, I really like this move for a number of reasons. I think we, we all got kind of caught up in Max er, or in a, typical, like what we would expect a Bundesliga side of, Gladbach's stature, the sort of coaching signing that they would make. And Eberl, as he often does, went a different direction. Um, and I really like the vision of this for because Shabi Alonso to me is a superstar. He has the name recognition, he has the pedigree of it, you know, some of the very high profile managers across Europe, but he did not immediately demand a top level job. He went back to the, the club that he started at and took over their B team. And even before that, I think he, I think before he was the head coach, he started actually in their Academy, like as a coach, 
um, yeah. after he retired. So um, he is a superstar in terms of his profile in world football who understands his roots and where he came from, which I think fits Gladbach to a T like a, a club that is on the cusp of being one of, one of the very like, uh, you know, a a team like competing for the biggest trophies um, at the top of, of the, the Bundesliga at the top of, of Europe um, with their pedigree recently. Um, but being a community club and, and a, and a club that is deeply rooted, um, in Gladbach and, and just like part of the DNA. So I think he's a perfect choice for that reason. Now, will it work out remains to be seen. Um, but I think he can attract a pet, like a type of player, um, as well. He has that sort of pull, um, for who he is. Um, uh, and, uh, and all things considered good results with rail Sociedad's B team as well. Having just won the mini Basque Basque Derby, uh, against athletic club B, um, in, in the go. segunda division B. So yeah, I don't know it. We'll see how it pans out. And if the deal even gets done, cause I guess it's not a hundred percent official yet. Um, yeah, but it's a really exciting move and one that just uh, feels like it's, it's full of potential for, for Gladbach. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the, the name recognition, you know, in that poll. And I mean, when I saw you're the one who broke the news to me this morning. And when I saw that, like, there's just so much that comes with the name Chabi Alonso. And I think that'll help Gladbach fans kind of get over Makohosa because it's been sour like over yeah. the past couple weeks now like it's just been miserable around around the club the results have been shit like fans are very annoyed to see Makohosa on the on the touchline and you know his stupid white shoes um so <laughs> this this Xabi Alonso news is a welcome welcome distraction and hopefully it goes through I mean I'm it, I'm just so fascinated by it that I just need to see it now yeah and that's that's the <laughs> Eberl way, uh, Indeed. <laughs> just absolutely captivating. Uh, and we'll see if it actually pans out. But yeah. Gladbach did distract from their recent woes on the pitch this weekend, which was a welcome reprieve from their recent uh, their their recent form. Uh, it was at the expense of Schalke, though a three nil win for for Munchen Gladbach. And I mean, obviously, Mika, this is a this is an expected win for Gladbach, but given what was going ar- around the club, like in the build up to this, this still was a necessary win. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, like you said, Gladbach snapped their 10 game winless run, um, dating all the way back to the Derby <laughs> against Cologne. Um, to be fair, I don't think Gladbach were particularly special. I mean, of course, they dominate the ball of 70% possession and pretty much dominate Schalke and all the, the attacking uh, numbers. But, I mean, Schalke were just very poor. I mean, you know, just a lot of the same stuff from Schalke, just naive in the defense, losing the ball in, in poor areas. And then, um, I mean, Rano's own goal for the third goal really summed up Schalke. It was kind of like a a microcosm of their season. It's like he gets a hand to it and then kind of just turns around and 
puts it over his own line and it was just <laughs> something pretty sad about that. I mean, obviously I'm I'm happy for the the result because it was much needed and I think I don't know. I mean, some people were saying maybe Makoza actually does get the sack if he loses to Schalke, but obviously we'll never know, but yeah, very very necessary three points and um yeah, Gladbach played well, but you know, against a very poor Schalke side who are most certainly uh, doomed to life in the second division next season. Yeah. As the commentators reminded us ad nauseum on the, uh, oh on God. the world feed, just, <laughs> I, I mean, it was like, I get it, you know, cause yeah. it's a huge club going down, but it was just like half of it was about Schalke's impending relegation and not so much about the game. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> almost, like they're still in the Bundesliga for now, guys. Like, <laughs> There's a game going on, you yeah. know? <laughs> it was just pissing me off a little there, bit. <laughs> it's like me reading a eulogy, like, while someone's undergoing surgery. Right. It's like, like I, bro, it's a root canal. Like, I'll be fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they're not dead yet. Like, it's pretty right. fucking morbid to just talk about the fact that they're dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> um, no, I I agree. And I think, I think what was most upsetting about this game um, because obviously it's great for Gladbach to get back to winning ways. I think the most upsetting thing was that Schalke just refused to put up a fight. Like they sat extremely deep. They defended for their lives. They barely tried to pass the ball around. And I think they, I can remember maybe one break of some promise. Um, It was just like dire. Like just yeah. horrible, and there's yeah. no there's no like light at the end of the tunnel for the Schalke side. It's just literally like <laughs> it's like yeah, you you reap what you sow, and they played horribly and got beaten deservedly. Yeah, it was it. They remind me of Sunderland that year they went down, where they were just fucking miserable yeah <laughs> and i mean i obviously i hope it doesn't go that far to, uh, to Sunderland have, you know, Schalke till i die yeah <laughs> Jesus. um yeah hopefully it doesn't end up quite like that but uh yeah i mean this i don't know did you see also that i think the most like controversial thing is william coming off after 20 minutes like yeah just ruthless like i understand he's on loan from wolfsburg and and maybe you're like you know what fuck this guy like he's not part of our future so i mean he makes a mistake for for the first goal and and the coach just pulls him off and it's like i get that he's on loan but that can't be good for the dressing room no no there's absolutely no way um yeah yeah, that was that was pretty shocking and i (laughs) And for as much as I say, like, if if a sub is needed, make it. Um, mm-hmm. The idea of, of hauling someone off after 20 minutes, like, that's as much the manager's mistake as the players. Like, if you've selected them and you need to make a change that early, like, I, I really feel like at that point, the manager is also culpable. But... With the yeah. amount of managers that have been in and out of Schalke at this point, like, who do you even hold accountable? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> fire me? Like, <laughs> truly. Oh uh, and the news came through that Ralph Rangnick is not going to be the Schalke manager next year after this blitz of news that we got. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, 
hello darkness my old friend for for Schalke fans uh and so far and he basically far. said in you know not so many words like i'm not going there cuz it's a mess yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I'm not buying you all that mess. What's the uh, uh what's that vine uh I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> try me, bitch. Um yeah. Jesus. That's anyways. <laughs> that that was Ralph Rangnick's energy. Um yeah, Schalke deep in the doldrums. Gladbach though uh snapped that that winless streak as you said and um at on the flip side of this FC Köln took on Dortmund and fought tooth and nail mm. for a 2-2 draw. And in fact, it took a 90th minute equalizer from Erling Holland to, to salvage a point for Dortmund. Um, a result that we're kind of getting used to from this Dortmund side in that whenever they play someone that you figure, yeah, they'll probably handle them. They just don't. Yeah, I, I mean, credit to Cullen, they, they hung in there pretty much all all game long. You never felt like Dortmund were just going to simply run away with it. Even after Holland scored the opener in the third minute, Cullen were pretty much back at it. Um, since being hammered by Bayern, Cullen have taken points off Werder Bremen and, and now Dortmund. Not wins, unfortunately, so they're still kind of down there, I think, in the playoff, uh, mm-hmm. regulation playoff spot after kind of a small resurgence from Mainz. But yeah, um, I looked at Dortmund's previous handful of games and in the past three games in which Holland has scored Dortmund's only goals they have two draws and a loss now granted (laughs) granted one of those draws is to Sevilla they do end up going through on aggregate of course but I mean the over-reliance is palpable and he looks more and more frustrated as well I mean I don't know if you saw at the end him kind of like throw his shirt at Jorge Mere who had asked for it yes yeah I mean Dortmund's defending I think lets them down I mean Thomas Mounier kind of just not clearing the ball uh on the second goal from Yakov was really bad um he's a transfer that has not worked out uh, such a drop off from Ashraf Hakimi to be fair and um yeah Holland's just doing it all for them um and and he looks more annoyed with it with every passing game where he's yeah. the only one scoring so yeah, he's going to he's going to Do you think he leaves? Like do you think this is enough to to drive him to accept a big money move elsewhere? Um I mean eventually, yes, of course. Um if it's this summer though, I don't know. Just get, it's so hard to imagine what the market's going to be like because of COVID. Yeah. Um and I mean the the I think the team that could Afford that him right now, maybe no question is maybe Manchester City. Yeah, um, and there is a need there, I guess. I mean, obviously they're like destroying football with no striker, but <laughs> <laughs> just imagine adding Erling Holland to that mix, and it's pretty scary. Yeah, um, Real Madrid obviously have have demonstrated interest in him. Um, so I don't know to answer the question. I don't know if it's this summer, but certainly he will leave for sure. Uh, FC Cone, as you said, well, I was, I guess I was going to say about Erling Holland, uh, the Norwegian Alexander Isak, uh, <laughs> scoring in, in non wins. 
Yes. Wow. That's funny. <laughs> he would hate that comparison, I was by the say, way. He like, would hate being compared to a Swede, but <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Scandinavians <laughs> just uh, scoring in, yeah, scoring in draws. But um, no, FC Cole, uh, like the fight from them is, is becoming admirable, and they are a single point back from Mainz and Hertha. Um, despite the fact that that minds have won two on the bounce. Um, so I, yeah. I think there is still life um, in the Billy goats. Um, just, you know, with, with Schalke, the only team really in the Bundesliga, that's for sure relegated. Everybody else is putting up a fight for sure. I mean, even Armenia have had yeah. a little bit of a, I mean, this past match day was terrible for them in terms of everyone around them. Right. Um, but uh, they're, they're still trying to fight as well. So, yeah, exactly. It's basically just Schalke and who's, who's going to join them. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the, other, the other big, obviously, the, the Giants in Germany, Bayern up at the top of the table, 4-0 win with 10 men uh, for, for roundabout, what was it? 88 or 78 minutes yeah, uh, with 10 men. Um, but the story of this match and, and what we should focus on, regardless of the fact that they were down to 10 is the fact that Robert Lewandowski is on <laughs> 35 goals in this joke. Bundesliga campaign. Just an joke. absolute joke. They've played 26 games. Joke. I mean, I, what can we say anymore? Like, uh, you know, it's funny too because he scores a hat trick in this one, and then he misses like a sitter, and you're yeah. like, "Oh, <laughs> you are human. That's weird." But even so, you've still like completely destroyed this the Stuttgart side down to ten men. Yeah. Um. I mean, again, about just best strike in the world, bar none. I think. You know, last season we joked that it was the missing out on the Ballon d'Or. This season, I think the the petty. Uh, the petty motivation is all this Holland talk. Like, no, I'm the best striker in Germany and in Europe. Like, yeah. chill. This kid's got a way to go. Um, obviously, I, I don't know that Robert cares too, too much about what others are doing around him, but he's just d- deadly. I mean, I don't know. You know, And, you know, it was a great start for Stuttgart. Just, you know, Wataro Endo gets Alfonso Davies sent off for a pretty terrible tackle, and, and but it didn't really matter because – it was just too easy for Lewandowski and, and Sané to find that space between the defenders. I mean, most of their goals, you see them split the center backs and they're just like not communicating or something. And, it, you know, if you concede that space to Bayern Munich, you're going to get yeah destroyed. doesn't matter if they're down to 10 men, clearly. The, the crazy thing about this Lewandowski campaign, um, like you said, he it, it does seem like he's doing this out of spite uh, for people disrespecting him. Um, (laughs) Holland and Andre Silva are having unbelievable campaigns. Um, Both of them on 21 goals after this match day, they both had braces in their respective games. 21 in 26 is just a fantastic return. Mm Mm-hmm. They trail Robert Lewandowski by 14 goals in the in the top score, like 14. Yeah, it doesn't they have 21 total. Mm-hmm. 
He is 35. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's it's a season that like we may never in our lives see a goal return like this in a top five league in Europe. This is like I, I don't know. It's it's stupid. Like it's unbelievable. It's messy level at his absolute peak. Yeah. But that's the thing about Lewandowski is does anybody talk about it though? Cause he makes it seem so normal, but that is not normal. <laughs> you know, he's averaging a goal and a half per game. He's yeah, scoring but- every 60 minutes. You can't do that. Like that's every not- hour, <laughs> every hour. Okay. That's, and in a low scoring sport. Yeah. It's yeah. Just unreal. <laughs> unreal. It's unbelievable. And uh, yeah, so the 4-0 win. Now, the the big downer of this match is the fact that Silas Wamanganatuka, sorry, late, tough one to pronounce, <laughs> but yeah, Good. Um, ACL injury and a big blow for this Stuttgart team and a big blow to a player who is really kind of having like a coming out party this year. Yeah, he's been really good scoring goals and um, one of those players that, Sven Mislintat identified as, as someone who could really do bits for the Stuttgart side, and he has. So for it to end in a very serious injury is really sad. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, obviously the, the onus will fall even more so onto Kalajdzic and, and others to score. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. If I'm a Stuttgart fan, I hardly care about this result. I'm more upset about the injury for sure. Yeah. So hopefully he comes back, you know, better but that's that's a serious one at least i would say what six months something like that at the very least so yeah 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 it's a troubling one and and the thing that sucks about an acl is that you never know if you're going to get the best version of that player back when they return yeah and and what's interesting too about acl injuries in particular is that the tissue the ligament can be repaired and and with modern medicine it can be repaired pretty well now but the the connection between body and mind is what takes a long time to repair mentally players have have discussed feeling like they you know can't trust themselves and trust their knee yeah um and and even though physically physiologically it's repaired and it's fine and you can sprint and and do all this the brain is still trying to come to grips with that injury so yeah. Yeah. Um very sad. Very sad. Yeah, hopefully he's able to to recover um ahead of schedule and and get back to uh Stuttgart's first 11 early next season um and and not be off for for too too long, but um we've spoken about some of the misfortune uh Gladbach obviously like Schalke down at the bottom of the table but in recent times with the winlessness of Gladbach um I feel like it's been them and Leverkusen trading blows in this like (laughs) who's the imposter like who's the biggest mess at the moment um (laughs) Gladbach and Leverkusen just going back and forth so Gladbach picking up the uh, the win this weekend Leverkusen go to relegation threaten Hertha and get absolutely battered. Um, it's a three nil win for, for Hertha. And it was started with a absolute like stormer of a goal from Zifwick, the, the right back. 
Yeah, uh, I I mean, from the angle, it almost looks like okay, he didn't he didn't mean that, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's so strange, but it's an excellent goal. I mean, it's right where where the keeper can't really get to it in that that far corner, and just incredible. If he meant it, then kudos. If he didn't, amazing. Like either yeah. way, <laughs> um, but hey, I mean, this is a crucial three points for Atlanta Berlin, like you said big mess there as well in the capital. And I think they started the day at the, you know, second from bottom. Um, You know, meanwhile, Leverkusen tried to get back into CL contention, just like Gladbach are. But I mean, they were all over the place defensively. I mean, they were even allowing Matteo Genduzzi in around the penalty area, which is like, what? (laughs) He's like like a holding midfielder. Um, You know, and and they, it's weird because they dominated the ball stats will tell you, but Hertha by far had the better chances um and and xg you know tells you that her that probably deserved it um but yeah strange one from Leverkusen and I'm I'm just really surprised in a way that Peter Bosch still has a job because this is this is the flip side of Bosch ball that mm-hmm. we've seen at Dortmund and, and other clubs is when they're attacking like it's you know it's relentless it's you, it's so eye-pleasing but when it's not going well you get these kind of results you get smacked 3-0 by you know a bad side <laughs> in Hertha so yeah uh yeah it's and, and Patrick Schick in particular too did not help finishing was awful yeah on the day so um yeah back to the drawing board for by Leverkusen yeah Leverkusen and the and the the game with just the single shot on target um <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, just emphasizing how bad uh, Schick's finishing was. It wasn't even he wasn't even putting it on uh, on net. Um, yeah, Herta a little unlucky too. Um, Dodi Lukabakio scored a ridiculous goal for the fourth, and it was chalked off for handball correctly. Like mm-hmm. not not taking away from the fact that it was it was the right decision. Um, but he absolutely smashed a, a fourth in and and it could have gotten worse for Leverkusen in this one. So yeah, yeah, it was not the best performance from Bayer, but, but Hertha, as you said, uh, climbing up to 14th by virtue of that, um, and level on points with Mainz, but maybe trending in the right direction, two wins in their last three. Um, and definitely, I think we are starting to get Schalke vibes out of Hertha, and it's clear that that's not that's not what's going on. No, I mean, I think that I think that they sh- should. Well, I mean, I hope they survive because it'll be very embarrassing if they don't, given the <laughs> the outlay. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there. I think there's definitely teams worse than them. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They should be challenging for Champions League places like comfortably based on at least at least based on the squad. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's it's odd. Yeah. Um, But as you said, big, big win and uh, and sets things up. The the results around the league, um, RB Leipzig uh, beat Armenia one nil. um, Unfortunate for for Armenia. as as Sabertzer uh, got the goal for Leipzig, uh, keeping pace with Bayern um, there okay. at the top of the table, Wolfsburg got a win over Werder Bremen, two uh, one. Eintracht. I did want to talk about this briefly. Eintracht Frankfurt beat beat Union five two, and Andre Silva grabs the brace. This was for Eintracht. Um, this is a weird one. 
Um, hmm. But this was like an XG bonanza because they <laughs> they scored five goals and a couple of these goals were just brilliant. Um, nice team moves, all of that. Union <laughs> end this game with 25 shots. Oof. Eintracht had nine. And scored five. And scored oh five. God. Like, yeah. so this is a really crazy XG, like, blown up sort of game. Right. It, it's one of those ones where you remember they are just stats. They are meant to inform, not to <laughs> control. Um, the thing about Eintracht that I think is really fascinating is I feel like they really are one of those teams that get the best out of players. Because, for example, Andre Silva obviously having a fantastic season. I'm not sure that he can do this elsewhere. He was pretty meh at Sevilla, pretty meh at AC Milan. Well, maybe didn't get the opportunities that perhaps he deserved. He's sure. right at Porto. But I don't think anyone saw this coming from Andre Silva. And, you know, I think back to that that three-headed dog in, in, in Jovic, Aler, and, and Rebic. Have any of them replicated this like they did at, at Antrax? Like, not really. No. And so I Rebic think has come the closest, that. I feel, yeah. but but yeah. still like And Allaire is doing well in Ajax now, but I mean he needed that move to get his career back on track. Yeah. And, and then of course Jovic has come back home. So Eintracht, yeah, I think I think they do really get the most out of players, and that's good. And and I think they're in those Champions League places. And have they ever qualified for the Champions League? I think this could be historic for Ooh. them. That's an interesting I, one. I, I don't, don't think, they think have. So, I mean, either way, I would love to see them in the Champions League next year. I hope they can keep it up because that would be absolutely fascinating. And hopefully it'll be with fans. But I don't think they've ever been in the big show, if I'm not mistaken. They, let's see. About to be they took, head, maybe. So, <laughs> what I'm looking at. I don't think they've they've never been in the Champions League and they only have one participation in the European Cup, as it was known previously. In 1959-60, they made it to the final against Real Madrid and lost seven to three. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so then definitely could be historic if they yeah. if they make it through. Yeah, if they it'll be their first European Cup participation since 1960. So meaning it'll be their first like UEFA Champions League before yes. it was the Euro- yeah. yeah, so there you go. But yeah, unbelievable stuff. The in that competition Eintracht progressed into the first round by virtue of Finnish side KUPS withdrawing from the competition. Um <laughs> and that was how they qualified the first time. <laughs> So anyway, at first I thought you said finished side and I was like, damn, that's harsh. But no, you mean em. like Finland. Yeah. Finland. Yeah. <laughs> you like this finished ass side. KUPS. Yeah. They played young boys, uh, Austrian side, Wiener F- SC and Rangers en route okay. to a final appearance against Real Madrid. Wow. There you go. A full whatever. Was that 60 years ago? Yeah. 61 years ago. Unbelievable. Wow. Anyways. Um, well, Mika, we've got tons more to talk about, like a lot more. 
Um, so I think maybe a quick break and then we'll come back and talk Premier League and FA Cup. Welcome back to Hardcore Football, Mika. We we go to England, and there's really only one place to start after this slate of games this weekend, and that is Arsenal 3, West Ham 3. Uh, the comeback. It was a comeback for the ages, and one that, as a Liverpool fan, I appreciate. Thank you for the assist. <laughs> You're welcome, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, Arsenal three, West Ham three, obviously one for the neutrals, uh, but a horrific start for Arsenal. Probably the worst that I've seen since probably the worst start we've had post Christmas, to be honest, to a match. But we've seen this from Arsenal before and, and other sides, to be fair, where they start poorly after a midweek European fixture, um, which, of course, we had against Olympiacos. Um, but West Ham had a week to plan this game and they came out extremely aggressively. They were just taking really quick th- throws, uh, quick free kicks. Obviously, the second goal comes from a really quick free kick where Arsenal are completely switched off. Nothing we can do about the Jesse Lingard screamer. I mean, the man is is possessed under this David Moyes side, and he loves to score against Arsenal. So while I am happy for him that he's he's playing good football again, enough to get back into the England squad, that was really annoying <laughs> for him yeah. to score against us again. Um, so yeah, I mean, West Ham really, really good in the, in the opening, uh, half, obviously great comeback from Arsenal. Um, really a different side that came out in the second half. And, um, I guess you have to credit Mikel Arteta with that. I mean, you know, if the first half is his fault, the second half must be his success. So he said something to them in the, in the locker room that resonated. And I think West Ham, they, they sat back, which obviously was to their detriment. I think when you're up three, no, like just keep, keep going. You know, I don't know why sides do that where they just want to take the foot off the gas a little bit and let an Arsenal team with quality in it, to be fair, right. come back. Like why? Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, a tale of two halves. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Martin Odegaard. I mean, just, insane player um we have to break the bank for him like you know get a stimulus like i don't know pull out a loan like something because we need him i mean he had the pre-assist on every one of our goals yeah i mean he's he's mezzanoza with a work rate <laughs> you know what i mean like i love it so um yeah so i mean you know this arsenal side like down three nil away and to come back and, and get a point like am i happy with the draw no but this was unheard of for Arsenal under you know yeah. Unai Emery and, and and things like that. So I can't be too mad at the end of the day, I suppose. This, I thought it was interesting that Arteta actually uh, had the the courage, I will say, to bring on Emil Smith Rowe and leave Odegaard on, um, because I think we've often seen that has been kind of the. Like if Smith Rose in there, then Odegaard's not. And it's, yeah. it's kind of the change that's made where if one is in and it's not working, we swap them out for the other in this, in this game, he actually 
brings on Smith Rowe like with Odegaard, which is a really interesting dynamic um, in, in that attacking midfield area. And uh, yeah, I think, I think for Arsenal, yeah, the, the story is all about the, the fight of, Mm -hmm. of remaining in a game that for all intents and purposes was over um, and not accepting that for West Ham, the interesting thing for me or the funny thing for me, I guess, is the fact that they had this kind of like very West Ham Trinity of goals, which was <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Lingard, like the Loney, you know, scoring um, Jared Bowen adding to that. And then Thomas Suchek scoring his customary goal um, as he does. Uh, but the, the concession of goals was also a West Ham Trinity of an own goal, like an own goal by Suchek, an own goal by Craig Dawson, um, former Spurs uh, man there at the, the heart of the heart of West Ham's defense. And then ultimately the, the dagger, or I guess in this case, the equalizer uh, Lacazette, like showing that quality and kind of like, in the moment becoming old Lacazette, like the player yeah. that, that Arsenal bought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's been very good for a, a good little while now, especially mm-hmm. in, in the wake of Aubameyang, just like missing sitters left and right. I mean, yeah. Lacazette has really stepped up and um, he does, he does everything in this game as far as dropping to link the play, pressing. He's still pressing in the 88th minute. Like, yeah, just a dream for any manager to have a player like that. And then, of course, scoring two goals. So, uh, well, I mean, they call one an old goal, which I think was extremely hard. Yeah, but, harsh. But uh, either way, I, I consider him having gotten a brace on the day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, uh, again, I it was really annoying to see how we started, but you kind of just have to take that and move on. It's it's one of those things too where we're tenth, and that's just how it's going to be. I mean, there's really not a whole lot of movement. I feel like no matter what we do, um, just because we're so inconsistent and everyone around us is is quite you know quite the same. The league is pretty bad this year. If I if I not, you know being honest, it's yeah, it's garbage. Like. <laughs> Quite agricultural, some might say. Yeah. Yeah. This was so stat wise, this was the third time in the Premier League this season that a team has led by three goals and failed to win. Um West Brom three uh three three against Chelsea and Spurs three three against West Ham, obviously known for that uh that mm. Lanzini screamer. Um, a little more dramatic maybe in, in the, the way that that played out, um, 93rd minute, like insane volley. Um, but, um, interesting that both North London clubs and West Ham involved in two of those, uh, instances of the, the three nil leads turning to three, three draws. London is just unserious yeah. like in every way. <laughs> like every London club is a shambles. <laughs> I mean, except West Ham, I guess. I yeah, I mean, but even they are are prone to this sort of this sort of buffoonery. West Ham, uh, <laughs> West Ham, Um Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
a team that did not toss away a three nil lead is Brighton. Um, Brighton got a three nil win against Newcastle in what is the least deserved relegation six pointer uh, of all time. Brighton (laughs) somehow find themselves down there, but they were completely dominant and finally got some, some slice of luck. We talked about XG earlier, like Brighton finally got some, some repentance um, at the, at the feet of the XG gods. (laughs) Yes, indeed. I mean, they, they absolutely deserve this result. Um, Like you said, two teams looking to just stay in the division. Um, Welbeck and Tossard for me were fantastic, not just in the goals that they scored, but just their attacking intent, trying to find players in behind. Welbeck looked like the old Danny Welbeck, who's, you know, mobile and strong and, and a threat in front of goal. And it was just really great to see. I've always got time for that guy, Welbs. Um, so <laughs> uh, I think the only chance really that I can think of for Newcastle, like clear cut, was Ryan Fraser's chance off the post. Yeah. That was probably their best chance, uh, the, the curling effort that, that just hits the, the far post. Um, so unlucky for him there. And then, of course, Mopai hits Brighton's third, just finding that space between the defenders and, and redirecting the cross. So, yeah. Um, like a lot of really good goals in this one for Brighton and, and you expect nothing less from the, this grand Potter side. And I hope they stay in the division. Cause it, I just think it would be extremely harsh for a team like them to, to go down. Newcastle on the other hand, look like they're in trouble. This, this Newcastle team. It's, it's kind of crazy because I think there's, there's a few players that I look at in this Newcastle team that I, that I like. Like mm-hmm. on the face of it, I, I enjoy, especially, I mean, um, he, I think they're missing Alan San Maximan like big time. Um, yeah. but Almiron, Ryan Fraser, like I have a soft spot for John Joe Shelby, uh, who <laughs> used to play at Liverpool. Um, but they have, it seems like, they would have enough to stay in the division, but the way that you, we watch them play it just like, it's just not inspiring. Like it doesn't make me think that they deserve to stick around. Um, and unfortunately after a result like this, I think they probably are headed down a path, uh, that, that may lead to their relegation. I think, of the managers they've had, or at least of the, you know, um, the situations they've been in, this isn't the most dire situation they've ever found themselves in. And there is still a chance that, that they survive. Um, given that they're, you know, still two points clear of Fulham in the, in the drop zone, but I don't know. Recently they just, there, there hasn't been anything about this Newcastle side that I've thought like, ah, like I get it. I see like what they're going for. It's just been very toiling and uninspiring. Yeah. I mean, Newcastle is one of those teams that, I mean, my, I've always asked myself, like, what is their point? Like, what are they trying <laughs> to do? And I think, I mean, you know, putting aside that I'm being flippant, I think that they are just trying to stay in the Premier League on as little money as possible. I mean, even with yeah. Rafa, they, 
penny pinched with him and he's a world class coach. Like I can't even imagine what what they would have been able to do with a bit more investment. Um, and, and, you know, there's only, there's only a certain kind of way you can play football with the kind of talent you're bringing in. And then when they do splash the cast, they bring in the wrong players. I mean, Joel right. done flop like, yeah. And I feel sorry for him because they, they brought him in thinking he's like going to be this striker when he's never scored a whole bunch of goals. He's certainly more of like a Santa Ford, like false nine type of player. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when they do splash the cast, it's just, like wasted. Um, but I mean, yeah, of course they've been unlucky too with, with some Oxman feeling the effects of long COVID and all that. And yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Fulham, I just don't know what to think of Fulham. Like, I think that they're good enough to stay in the Premier League, but it might just be one of those things where some teams are a little bit better, but we'll see Newcastle though, definitely in this relegation fight for me. Speaking of Fulham, Leeds uh, piled on Fulham's misery with a 2-1 win. Um, Patrick Bamford and Rafinha uh, scoring the goals for Leeds. And uh, an even game, stats-wise, uh, and and maybe a little a little unlucky for Fulham to not get something out of it, but... Uh, but Leeds picking up some some deserved points as they as they kind of hang out in that mid table area. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, in previous pods, I think Leeds are just beating who they need to beat, you know, to stay in the division. That's really it. I don't think they were trying to go for Europe or anything. So good on them. And Scott Parker was actually really disappointed <laughs> after the game. Like, and and I mean, I guess rightfully so. Maybe they deserved a bit more from it, but Leeds are just relentless and took yeah. advantage of of that. Of that, maybe Fulham couldn't hang physically or whatever. But yeah, Spurs beat Villa two nil, and uh, this game was only remarkable for the fact that Harry Kane was back on his bullshit. <laughs> Can you be back on your bullshit if you never left it? <laughs> <laughs> This man that's, that's a question for all my philosophers out there. Let me know. <laughs> this he, this man is like infuriating because he can somehow like he he somehow is reinforcing a stereotype, but it's other players that suffer the consequences of what he does, which is he is he is able to like buy penalties uh like he did in this game um that other players would be roundly criticized for right i mean he's england captain i feel like he could literally shoot someone on the pitch and they'd be like <laughs> i mean like it's a 50 50 challenge like you know what i mean like they'd make some kind of excuse for him and and you know when he's not buying penalties he's genuinely putting opponents in danger and i think that's what re- really bothers me about his yeah. game and doesn't need to do that because he's talented. You know, he's a, very, a world-class player, to be fair, yeah. and it just sucks that he's got that side to his game. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, previously been willing to stake his daughter's life to try to win the golden boot. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. State of him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but Spurs do get a 2-0 win to to pull up on the on the stick ever so slightly after an absolutely catastrophic showing in the Europa League and and going out to Dinamo Zagreb whose uh manager was literally imprisoned um in Croatia. So, anyways. 
Amazing. <laughs> and the, and this win against Villa, I think, is no consolation. I mean, I think their fans are still furious. That was, I mean, let's be real. Like, the Europa League was a very good chance for Spurs to win a trophy, all things considered. And a draw against Zagreb is very generous, given the teams that were still left in the competition. Um, yeah. Yeah. For... I think, I, I mean, I think we haven't spoken much about it, but like third season Jose is in full effect. Like, and it's gone under the radar a little bit because there are so many meme clubs out there right now, but Spurs are are spiraling into that like self-destructive Jose, like uh, third season pattern that we've seen. See, they're spiraling, but they're also in a league cup final. So it's like, What's you know what I mean? Like it's a tin pot trophy. Don't get me wrong. Like, City use it to fucking warm up. Uh, but if they win that, they'll be fucking insufferable. True. So true. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um. Yeah. Premier League table. Not not a ton of change. Um. But the movement, I guess, of this game is the fact that that West Ham are fifth. Um. Spurs go two points clear of Liverpool into sixth uh, and Liverpool and Everton are level on points on 46. Um, So little weird just outside of the top four, um, which is still city Manchester United, Leicester city and Chelsea, which speaking of Manchester United, Leicester city second and third in the premier league met in the quarterfinals of the FA cup. And of all people, Kalechi Ihianacho downs the Red Devils and sends Leicester City to a FA Cup semifinal. Yeah, all of a sudden, Ihianacho is like exploding for goals, which is great because Jamie Vardy's been kind of in a barren run. So, I mean, good on him. I, I remember when he came through at City and and I think a lot of people thought that he would be you know, an option at city for years to come, but obviously it didn't work out there. And then at Leicester, it kind of looked like it was doomed, but Hey, maybe he's turning it around. Um, (laughs) As for Manchester United, I just Fred's giveaway for the opener is just shocking. And he had made that same exact giveaway like moments earlier in the, in a similar kind of area of the pitch. I continue to need proof of his Brazilian citizenship. <laughs> I have never seen, I can't think of a Brazilian midfielder more t- technically deficient yeah. than Fred. Um, and, and I think, you know, him and Nemanja Matic, just that pairing is just like, gives me COVID. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I think it, this game really highlighted that United just need to go out and get a, a, a DM um, or, or at least, a, you know, someone who can, be that out ball. Uh, sure. Like a Gravenberch, even a Dennis Zakaria from Gladbach, as much as that pains me to say, somebody like that that yeah. can pick the ball up off the defenders and not give it immediately to the opposition and defend a little bit. So, uh, yeah, just not great for United. Um, Greenwood gets the lone goal, and he, he was okay. He was bright. Yeah. Uh, but can't be putting, you know, cup runs on, on a teenager. Another tough one for Donny van de Beek, who's struggled for playing time with this United team at having joined from Ajax and uh, hauled off in, in favor of Bruno Fernandes. Um, 
late on. Not that it made any big impact, but uh, he's expressed some discontent. Um, it seems in, in the press uh, around his, his playing time. Um, and maybe I'm not saying he'll leave this summer or anything like that, but um, certainly a player like at his age might be, might start thinking like all my momentum is kind of disappearing in my career. Yeah. I, you know, when he first signed and wasn't getting immediately played, I, I didn't feel like it was too strange. I mean, it can take some time to bet in, in, in a new league, uh, in the premier league, um, especially coming from the edit of which let's face it, that's a, that's a massive step. Um, but now it does seem a bit problematic, especially if you started to talk about it. I, and I also always thought that the, the idea behind the move was that he would be replacing Paul Pogba, but now it looks like Pogba might stay. I mean, right. <laughs> it looks like he's, you know, given COVID and, and the finances, you know, or lack thereof in, in the big sides right now, he might be in a bit of a golden cage at Manchester United where he stays. <laughs> and then there's just no place for Van de Beek, like an obvious one at least. Um, yeah. Cause you know, he's not going to play as the 10 in front of Bruno Fernandes. He's not really defensive where he can pair with Pogba, or defensive enough where he can pair with Paul Pogba and not get completely overrun in a two. Um, and, and again, if they want to play a three, then that sacrifices for Nash and you need a DM. So, yeah, that midfield is just like all types are wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, United will need to address it. I mean, maybe send him out on loan. I mean, he's obviously a talented player. I don't, I feel like they, they should make room for him, but it's not obvious how. Yeah, I the thing that that I would be kind of troubled with by this game for for if I was a United fan is the fact that the players that that come off um as far as the substitutions are Van de Beek, Pogba, Matic, Fred and and Alex Alex Telish um and the players that are brought on are Cavani, Fernandes, uh, Luke Shaw, Scott McTominay, um, players that we've seen like very frequently. And then taught, they tossed on Ahmad Diallo as well um, to try to, I guess, you know, inject some of this like youthful exuberance. But the thing that I guess like most troubles me is that the, the team that ends is very, very similar to what the starting 11s that have been like kind of trotted out. And this experiment, like with other players in the starting 11, just to me shows like the, the real like shortcoming of this United side, which is that their depth is very artificial. Hmm. That's interesting. Like they really only have a first choice, maybe like 13 um, that only really seems to trust. And then he he's trotted out a few players in the cup game that otherwise aren't really seeing the field all that often um, and didn't get a song out of them. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I guess I hadn't thought about that. I mean, he, he yeah i mean i don't know i think they just like i've like i just spoke about with their midfield i think the midfield is certainly unbalanced but other areas of the pitch too 
clearly are in terms of depth. Um, I, I don't know. They, they'll, they'll have, to, I mean, they did just hire a director of football. Did they not mention the United? So yeah, maybe that will, you know, spur them on to, to actually building a coherent squad after letting Ed Woodward kind of <laughs> handpick the players. Um, and, and there's good players, a lot of good players at Manchester United, but yeah, the, the squad balance is just a little bit off. So in the FA cup, uh, the quarterfinals Southampton beat Bournemouth three nil, uh, Manchester city saw off Everton, although they left it very, very late. Um, to two goals after the 85th minute um to see off to see off Everton Chelsea uh, a 2-0 win over Sheffield United and so that leaves us with the two semifinals Leicester City versus Southampton and Chelsea versus Manchester City um couple of interesting matchups um and they've kind of set the stage here for one team like with this particular draw, you know, Leicester city and Southampton, obviously less uh, used to trophies than the other side, Chelsea and and Manchester city. So there will be still a chance of a, maybe like lesser team, not, not a low team, obviously, but uh, a lesser team grabbing, grabbing the cup in the final. I personally hope Southampton can win it all i don't think they will but it would i'd I'd like that because it seems like they've sacrificed their league form for the fa cup (laughs) i mean they've been getting most of their joy in 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 the fa cup competition so i don't know i think they're certainly probably the worst of the sides remaining but yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see uh who makes it well that uh that brings us to the end of our fa cup talk i think next should we go to France? The most lit title race in Europe? Yes, the most lit, the most like still open. <laughs> we've been we've been like cool on France for a few weeks now, but it's it's hotting up. It is. And for good reason, but before we get to that, uh in a seemingly otherwise like result-wise, Lorient won, Nantes won would not be anything that grabs any headlines, but Armand Lorient for Lorient scored the <laughs> most ridiculous free kick, um, from all of like 45 yards, maybe the goal of the season. It's yes. I think it has to contend for the push gas. I, it, the it's, that's like Roberto Carlos shit. Uh, yeah. The, I'm still trying to understand the trajectory. Well, I mean, the thing dipped like a fucking Megan the Stallion backup dancer. I don't know. Like it was just <laughs> outrageous. I um, mean, all his teammates had their hands on their heads. Like I, I can't believe you've just done this. Uh, running back to celebrate with him. So, yeah, <laughs> it was incredible. If you haven't seen it, go watch it because it is not. It's. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And like Juninho will have watched that and and questioned the flight of that ball. Um it's unbelievable. It's it's an absolutely crazy goal. Um and 
the occasion maybe didn't match the quality, but, um, but for that to happen to in the 87th minute, um, in a match that Lorient, like they need every point they can get. Um, and it, it kept them from dropping points against, you know, a team that is just a single point behind them. Um, and they're only clear of the relegation places on goal difference. So, grabbing that goal late on like that kept them from dropping into the drop zone and kept knots like in that 19th place. Yeah. And then knots are a weird side because they seem to consistently outperform their opponents XG wise, but they don't win. So they're still pretty <laughs> in much in trouble, I would yeah. say. Uh, but yeah, at least they gave at least this game gave us this goal from Lohian. So absolute gift. Um, <laughs> At the other end of the table, though, we saw a slip from Lille we did. OSC. Yeah. They lost at home to Nîmes Olympique, and this is a bad result for a number of reasons. Nîmes in 18th, yeah. um, but it's it feels like, is this maybe a case, as PSG we know, got the win against Lyon. Is this title race maybe a case of one team being completely obsessed with potentially winning the title and another team treating the title as like business as usual? (laughs) That's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. I mean, it's certainly possible, but like you said, this is a terrible result for Leo. I mean, they're trying to win their first league title in a decade. I think they won 2010, 2011. So, yeah, yeah. a decade. Um, they concede first place to PSG on goal difference um, after losing to PSG the previous match day, and then they play PSG on April 3rd. So, plan, you know, opportunity to get back up there, but this is bad to, to drop these points to Neem. Um And they've only earned, I think, six points out of 15 in the month of March, Leo have so uh little certainly stumbling <laughs> um at, at the you would say the last hurdle it's only a handful of ma- i think eight match days left in, in league on but very very close um i think if psg you know given that it's like covid football right now maybe psg could be forgiven if they don't win the league title but i still think with their resource and and all of that that they should <laughs> um and for Lila, it would be a much bigger deal, obviously, for them to win it. But yeah, yeah, uh, Lila is lit right now. <laughs> Got to be, you know, Farmers League, all that. Put it to the side because this is a title race, like unlike we've had in quite a while in France. Yeah, yeah. This is their level on points. Um, shout out to Neem and striker Musa Kone, who uh, joined Neem from. Dinamo Dresden, uh, actually. Hey, yeah. So <laughs> former Dinamo man, uh, scoring in in uh, France's top division. I believe Nîmes were in Ligue 2 like when he signed. Um, so he's uh, you know come up with them and um, and now yeah scoring against the title challengers and playing spoiler. There you go. <laughs> PSG's result though over Lyon, it was a four-two win on the road in the uh in the I don't even know what you want to call like the tie-dye 
Air Jordan. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, we talked we we talked before we started recording about Palermo owning pink, but uh, PSG redefining pink at the moment. Um, <laughs> it was it. This was a crazy game for the for the fact that PSG. This felt as close to kind of like vintage PSG as we've as we've gotten recently. Well, yeah, I mean, without Neymar, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, Lyon were under siege. Anthony Lopez was under siege. His, this poor guy, his goal was just being, you know, peppered with shots. <laughs> um, not that, that Lyon didn't have their their chances, because they certainly did a lot. It was pretty vertical as far as the first half is concerned. And yeah. then after a while, um, you know, PSG's quality told, and then... I guess congratulations to Mbappe. He gets his 100th goal in 142 games. Uh, I think the commentator had said that he's the youngest to ever reach that mark in Ligue 1, which is nuts. Wow. Leon, I think he's got like 10 goals against Leon or something like that in the league already. So, yeah, good win for PSG. Yeah, it's uh, it felt like a return to a return to the old days. Unfortunately, as their rivals slip up. Um, PSG pounce and Mbappe in particular. Yeah. On form uh, in this one and Leon though, there was a moment where I thought we had just seen Arsenal storm back from three goals down. And I thought for a split second when Cornet scored, I thought there's no way we see a four, four, right? Like there's no way that we won up what we just saw from Arsenal and West Ham. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it wasn't. So. To be. I, I, yeah. Yeah. That would have been pretty incredible. But also like Islam Slimani like came off the bench and scored. I'm like, Whoa, I forgot that he went there to replace Musenta Belli. So yeah. Yeah. Just random. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A bit of a weird one. Um, across, uh, across league. Un, as the title race is is heating up, uh, Monaco got a four 0 win over San Etienne. Uh, Rene, uh, who were down to ten, beat beat Mace three one. Nice beat Marseille just to add on to the misery out there three uh, nil. Lens uh, beat Strasbourg two one. Uh, Brest and Angers played to a nil-nil draw. Montpellier, uh, 3-1 win over Bordeaux. Reim uh, beat Dijon uh, 1-0, and uh, and that brought us to where we stand in Ligue 1. As we said, the thing that matters most is PSG and Lille are level on points on 63, having played 30 matches. That means with eight games to go, it's all still to play for at the top of the, of the French first division. Um, and at the other end, it's, it's Lorient just outside of the relegation places. Um, Dijon is the Schalke of France and is like definitely going <laughs> down. Um, but everybody else is, is potentially, you know, within striking distance of safety. So, um, still all to play for there at the bottom. Um, but a big weekend in that PSG end top of the league for the first time in quite a while. So um, I think in like two months or something crazy like that. 
Yeah. And, and we'll see if they're able to hold on and fingers crossed. They don't just for the good of the good of the rest of <laughs> the rest of French football. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> um, shifting now over to Spain, La Liga, uh, Interesting weekend in La Liga, but maybe not interesting in quite the same way uh, as uh, it kind of started out very strangely. Valladolid versus Sevilla, not a match that you would necessarily, you know, turn your head to if you were if you were trying to choose between a few. But the Friday night game, Valladolid led this one deep into the into stoppage time at the end of the game. Bono from Sevilla goes forward uh, on a corner and after a little bit of pinball in the box, the keeper himself slots home from the edge of the six yard (laughs) box. Uh, Decent finish from Bono as well. Yeah, I was going to say it was a pretty, pretty good strike from the keeper. Um, I think the, I think he'd come through at Atletico Madrid. I know he spent some time at Real Zaragoza uh, and now he's, he's first choice at Sevilla having Pretty much usurped Voxlik. Um, so yeah, incredible for <laughs> Sevilla to draw from the keeper's goal. Um, Sevilla, though, they've they've played an insane amount of games lately. I can kind of forgive them for going out of the Champions League. They host Atletico Madrid next, so it's not getting any easier uh for for Sevilla. The the match that we were all focused on, because I mean, for the same reasons as France, like we're we're getting we're getting a league title chase here, like high Liga question mark. Uh, we've <laughs> asked and uh, at Letty looked like they were providing a league, but got the one nil, the one nil win over Alaves, uh Luis Suarez, the, the scorer as he so often has been this season for, for at yeah, Luis ends up getting the job done, as you'd expect, I guess, from El Pistolero. He's still very much fighting in, in the Pichichi. Um, but this was a nail-biter, and honestly, I'm glad I'm not an Atleti fan because they're really putting their fans through it at the moment <laughs> as far as trying to solidify that that number one spot in the La Liga table. Um, yeah, I Liga. I think I Liga until, until the trophy's in their hands. I just... Don't trust Atletico Madrid right now, especially with the way that that Barca are kind of surging right now. So, yeah, it it was an uncomfortable win for Atleti, and and I think in a lot of title winning seasons, you look back and point to some of those victories as, hey, you know, they they got the job done when they weren't at their best. But I think in these cases it almost feels like that's becoming a norm for Atleti where they're not at their best. Um, and it's becoming so frequent that it's like, okay, well, when are they going to be at their best and are they going to show up in these, in these games that they need to win, um, in order to secure the title? You mentioned Barca, um, Barca on the other hand, no difficulties, uh, in handling Real Sociedad and, Antoine Griezmann, the uh, the pantomime villain in this one, as he he scores against <laughs> his former club. Yes, yes, he did. And to be fair, I think the I think that Sergio Dest had a really really good game as well. Um, I had tweeted from Hardcore Football, like listening to 
the commentators talk about, you know, Des to Messi, Messi to Des. Like, it was weird to hear. Yeah. And actually, that combination bore fruit. It was magical. Uh, I think Des scored his first and second La Liga goals, so congratulations to him. But yeah, like I said, Barca's surging right now. I think in their past 11 La Liga matches, they've dropped two points to Cadiz at home. So mm-hmm. if anyone can nick the title off Atleti, I think it might actually be the Blaugrana. But... um you know, and and they also, uh, both of them, haven't gone out of the Champions League, can just focus on this for now. But Barca do have uh, Copa del Rey to think about as well. So True. If Barca win the title in this, in this season where there's been so much turmoil, it'll be the most just crazy thing. Um, given all of all that's happened around the club, if they if they're able to secure La Liga, that'll be absurd. Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know that it would... I don't know. Do we give Ronald Koeman the credit for that? I guess, <laughs> if that happens. Well, we'll see. We we certainly shall. Um, the rest of La Liga... Uh, Betis got a 2-0 win over Levante. Um, Athletic Club and Ibar play to a 1-1 draw. The other team that's in the title discussion, Real Madrid... Uh, three one winners over Celta Vigo and uh and in that one I mean tale as old as time Kareem Benzema grabs another brace and uh this Real team I think we said it last episode but would be lost without him yeah certainly and I think it was really funny that Zidane I think he came out to the media afterwards and said you know I don't really know why Kareem is like being shunned from the French national team and it's like you don't <laughs> like, <laughs> that's really weird that it feels like something you should know like he's still on i think the trial starts like soon for his like blackmailing allegedly of yeah Matthew Valbuena. so it, it Absurd. was like a weird comment but yeah. uh <laughs> yeah um he's incredible obviously uh really the focal point really of this real madrid side seems yeah. to just do it for them when they need them, which is a lot lately. <laughs> yes. Given yeah. that the kids on the wings don't want to score and, and all that. So they, they desperately need the help. Um, but yeah, getting the job done once again, uh, against a good Celta side, uh, Huesca and Osasuna played to a nil, nil draw, uh, Sevilla and Valladolid, as we said, drew one, one Hitafe drew Elche one, one, not a good result for Hitafe. Um, Valencia though, picking up a big win against Granada, uh, two, one, um, and, uh, Los Murcielagos, uh, riding, a, a Daniel Voss and Alex Blanco goals, um, which Roberto Soldado, uh, tried to cancel out late on, but his 90th minute goal, just a consolation. Via Real two one over Cadiz and uh, and as we said that leaves the uh, La Liga standings. Atleti's lead is now just four points over Barcelona, um, and Real Madrid are just two points back of Barca. So the title race is well and truly on. Do you think they do it? Gun to your head right now. Do you think Atleti win the title? <laughs> I mean, on current form, no, like it, I know it seems crazy because they had such a commanding lead, but four points with 10 games left. 
Yeah. Anything can happen. And the form they've been in, they just haven't been convincing. I'm, it's yeah. insane to think that this Barcelona side may win the title, but for as memed as they have been, um, but <laughs> it is it is still entirely possible uh, for Atleti to bottle this. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I agree. Which again, it just completely pains me to say because I'd love to see I'd love to see someone who's not Barca or Real Madrid, you know, lift the title. Um, as I think Atleti were the last team to win it, that wasn't them in. Yeah, and and they've been runners up like <laughs> consistently <laughs> over the years. So yeah. Well, uh, Mika, briefly, briefly over to Italy. Um, almost the biggest story of this is that leaders Inter had their match against Sassuolo postponed uh, after Danilo D'Ambrosio, Samir Handanovic. Uh, Matias Vicino and Stefan DeFry all tested positive for COVID. Yeah, what a shame because Inter have been flying, obviously, just dominating everything and everyone in their path. And to have this kind of you know outbreak in this in the squad is is sucks. And I was really looking forward to this because Inter Sass, like that that would that was going to be a goal fest probably. So yeah. <laughs> we were denied fair that, but um. Yeah, obviously the player's health comes first, so uh, hopefully everyone will make a full recovery and 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 Inter can continue on their title charge. The response to it was kind of strange, quite honestly, because Conte is like, it's only four positive tests, like we should have played. Is, wait, what? <laughs> he said that? Yeah, like he was upset because Syria Odd Protocol states a game must go ahead if a team has at least 13 players available. And so apparently him and Sassuolo were both like the game should have happened. Ooh. So Which, I wonder then if that if it didn't because of one of those like local health authorities, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it was it was uh Milan's like local health authority that ordered the inter squad to suspend all activity until midnight on Sunday and remain in quarantine given the high risk of circulation of more contagious contagious viral variants. Mm. That's a shame. Yeah. It's interesting though, because it's like the fact that like the coach knows that they've all been in close proximity and four tests like could mean any number of positive tests. Uh, So anyways, yeah, I don't know. A bit of a weird one for, for them to, it's like if you had four, like four positive tests in your camp, like you can't really complain that, the game didn't go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess better be safe than sorry. I think Italy more than the other leagues has been kind of heavy handed in comparison, but sure. Hey, they were also hit very hard. So yeah, fair enough. Um, a game that did go ahead, uh, Juve took on Benevento and, uh, the witches Stregonona like took, took the three points. Yeah, it's incredible what Glistagoni were able to do because Juve dominated. Like, if you just look at the stats, you would not think that this would happen. Um, but Benevento were able to do it. And Juve, I mean, they're now 10 points back 
of Inter. Like, it's not happening for them this year. At least it shouldn't, unless something yeah. catastrophic happens. But, yeah, I don't think they get their 10th Scudetto in a row. And, and, like, God bless, honestly, because I'm <laughs> so tired of seeing Juventus lift the Serie A title. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, obviously the uh, meme pages and, and fo- footy banter accounts for, you know, football images that precede unfortunate events, like Ronaldo with the 700 like, oh, kit. Oh, yeah. Then, you know, going out and not scoring against Benevento, which is, like, weird because it's like he feasts. No, that uh, there's a couple of shout-outs, like, in this one. The first is to Lorenzo Montepo, the Benevento keeper who – went absolutely nutty in this one um, <laughs> and and kept a clean sheet. Uh, but the second shout out is to the absolute hospital pass that Archer plays across the back of, <laughs> of Juve's defense, um, which uh, Adolfo Gaik like latches onto. It's, it, it is just shocking for a player of his quality, Archer, uh, to, to play this sort of ball. Um, and yeah, just shocking defending from, from Juve ends up being their demise, despite the amount of, of good attacking play that was on display from them. And, and they just, uh, weren't able to convert their chances at the other end. So yeah, in Zaghi's Benevento, uh, get the three points against, uh, the nine times consecutive winners of, of Syria. <laughs> Can we, I, I, you know, I've been thinking lately is, is Arthur Miralampianich becoming the new, like Alexis Sanchez, Henrik Mkhitaryan, where it's just like that transfer has worked out for no one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody's happy. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> Pianich does not play. And when Arthur does play, he's, mostly shocking yeah yeah it's wild yeah that is that's a good shout honestly because yeah it's it's just been it's just been terrible for everybody (laughs) (laughs) yes nobody's pleased with how it's gone um so the the weekend in syria obviously inter and sasuolo uh will have to make up their game but um, Genoa beat Parma 2-1, Bologna beat Crotone 3-2, uh, Spezia beat Cagliari 2-1, Atalanta got a good win against Verona 2-0, um, Duvan Zapata scored again, um, and he's been on a, a very good run of form, uh, Sampdoria got a goal from Antonio Condreva to beat Torino, uh one nil Lazio beat Udinese one nil Milan uh finally kind of like getting some of their mojo back but a three two win over Fiorentina uh not a classic defensive game but um <laughs> Zlatan uh Brahim Diaz and Hakan Chalanolu uh the the goal scorers in this one um in which they actually Frank Ribery gave Fiorentina the lead two one in the 51st minute. And, uh, six minutes later, Brahim Diaz equalized and then Chalanolu got the winner in the 72nd, but Milan, a little bit of a struggle for them, but probably good to just get some points back on the board. Indeed. I wonder if they think that or wish that they would have gone out of Europa League a bit sooner. <laughs> Maybe the title <laughs> charge would still be on. Cause 
I don't know that they can catch Inter anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it might be a bridge too far for for AC Milan. Um and the last the last game of the week, the the match week, uh Napoli got a 2-0 win um against Roma, Dries Mertens with a brace um uh, to to see Napoli um back uh and and Napoli in good in some good form right now, um up into fifth and and four wins out of five. So Serie A as it as it stands, Inter top and with a a pretty commanding lead with a game in hand now over AC Milan. Um it's six points um and with a chance to make it nine with that game in hand. Juve and Atalanta are level on fifty-five, Napoli two back of them in fifth, and Roma three back uh in, in sixth, and then down at the bottom. Crotone propping up the table. Parma, uh, four points above them in 19th. Cagliari, uh, the third team that is uh, in those relegation places. Torino, just a single point above Cagliari. And uh, Benevento now six points clear of, uh, of Torino by virtue of that win. But Torino have a game in hand. Have a game in hand, and I think the Turin Derby is after the international break, so that'll be interesting. It is, yeah. Saturday, April third, uh, Torino and Juve square off. Um, <laughs> that that will be interesting, and Torino could could pile on Juve's misery. That would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mika, that brings us uh, to the end of of the episode. But every week we add to our Sounds of the Season playlist on Spotify, um, which you guys can find by searching Sounds of the Season um, or Hardcore Football. Um, You can find our our playlist. We add to it every week two two tracks a piece. So, Mika, what what tracks are you uh, are you adding this week? Yeah, well, I am adding yet another Dance Gavin Dance song because I got to do it. Um, I'm adding something new by Dance Gavin Dance, which is just kind of my vibe on like the Xabi Alonso news and, and us <laughs> beating Schalke. Like things just seem a little brighter for Gladbach right now. So maybe with something new, we can try again next season for Champions League or at least European football. Um, maybe with the midfield maestro on the touchline for us. Um, and then the other song that I picked is just a, a classic Rage Against the Bull Machine song, uh, Bulls on Parade. I picked this one because, you know, we've been a little over a year now into the pandemic. And I remember when, when everything started shut shutting down, people had just copped their Rage tickets. Yes. For the El Paso show. Dude. So I just, I cannot believe that's already been a year since that happened. It uh, was... So. Yeah, the show was scheduled for March 26th, um, and I remember that, one, because I had tickets, but also because uh, (laughs) my birthday is the 25th, and it was the day after. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, yeah. They said they'll reschedule, so hopefully. (laughs) I miss miss live music, man. Big time, big time, (laughs) which... Which I alluded to actually <laughs> in in one of these uh, uh, songs that I'm adding to the playlist, um, which I've been absolutely it's it's funny because it's been out for like a year, but I've just like rediscovered the song. 
um, Veil of Maya, for anyone who's seen my Twitter feed recently, has seen a stupid video that I made using um, the video for Drake's song with DJ Khaled, pop star, starring Justin Bieber. Um, I spliced together that music video and Veil of Maya's song, Outsider. Uh, and yeah, anyways, it's a really stupid joke, but I <laughs> absolutely love this song. It's so, so good. Um, and Veil of Maya are by all accounts, like sitting on an album right now that they're going to drop like once tours can happen again. They've slowly okay. been releasing like singles over the course of the last year. Um, so when that album drops, they it's been each single's been unbelievable, but Outsider in particular is just so good. Um that yeah, I just literally cannot wait to hear that um and hopefully in a in a live setting at some point. Um and I said I I picked Outsider partially because same reason with the Xabi Alonso news, like not the <laughs> typical like insular German uh, manager appointment. They pick someone you know from the outside. Um, so yeah, Love shout it. shout out to the to them for that. And and the other one the other one that I picked is uh, a a song from an album that just dropped this past week uh, by a band called Era. Um, and the song's called House of Glass. And House of Glass, it, it could refer to any number of teams uh, right now that <laughs> they seem to, like, get to a good place. Um, but as soon as they try to kind of, like, make that next step that ne or reach that next level, they just, uh, they just can't do it. And they just show that they're pretty fragile. Um, so yeah, era's era's house of glass, just kind of like wrapping up, um, that for me, but another, uh, just absolute banger. Um, and, uh, at one point in the song, they, they say burn it down. Um, and that just is making me think of those teams that are, you know, facing, a, a long off season of rebuilding, uh, due to, due to the relegation struggles or, or what have you. So, um, <laughs> anyways, uh, those are my, those are my couple of additions, uh, as we, as love we close it. things out. Love it. Love it. We are now up to 99 songs and five hours and 59 music minutes of music. So Amazing. About six hours. It's, it's a beast. Amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> And that is, yeah, I mean, we're talking, we're talking, you could make it from El Paso to about San Antonio. Like, there you go. <laughs> not quite, maybe not quite the whole way, but on that playlist, like you're getting a good chunk of that drive knocked out. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, well, that is it. I think for this week, guys, uh, it has been, um, quite the week as we, as we said, and it's been, uh, there's been loads going on. Luckily we get a little bit of a reprieve with the international break. So maybe, I don't know, Mika, we'll see what, we'll see if we have any ideas like yeah, for <laughs> as sure. the international we did take break. A little two week break. So maybe we'll like 
Maybe we'll feel inspired. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, we can do some, maybe a <laughs> mailbag, maybe maybe something like off the wall we could do. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed up to this point. And if you, d- if you have, you know, please subscribe, follow on the podcast platform of your choice um, and follow our socials at HXC football. Um, we post new episodes most weeks, um, but like, like Mika said, took a little hiatus. So we'll be back soon with more, with more content. And uh, hopefully, like I said, you guys have enjoyed. Hopefully you're all uh, staying safe and uh, we will catch you guys on the next one. Peace.